You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 103 and 104 of our Read Through the Bible in a Year program. Yes. Where we are uh, continuing in the tradition of passing on the story orally. We're talking about it. Mm-hmm. And um, we, are, we are well-versed in the scriptures. We don't know everything, but we are engaging <laughs> it as a story and, uh, and working our way through it uh, chapter by chapter. And it is, it's been great. Yeah. I'm pretty excited about today. We are, I don't know, I don't know the phrase, maybe knee deep in Deuteronomy. <laughs> we're almost through the, the Pentateuch. Yeah, imagine we're uh, cranberry farmers. And we are knee deep in it, and we're surrounded by a, a luscious crop of floating cranberries. <laughs> Perfect. So let's get into it. All right. Where are we? Today's Old Testament reading is Deuteronomy chapter 19 through 22. Mm. Let's just get right into it. Laws concerning the cities of refuge. Yes. Cities of refuge. That's a cool idea. You'd think we'd have those today. Yeah, well, didn't, didn't quite carry over. I guess prisons are our best <laughs> effort at cities of refuge? Question mark? Upside down question mark? Basically, uh, Moses in this beautiful book, Deuteronomy, the second giving of mm-hmm. the words of God, he's ensuring due process. And he's gone to great um, lengths to differentiate between unintentional kind of manslaughter and mm-hmm. murder and... And dealing with the realities of revenge and vengeance and families being upset and wanting to kill somebody, even if it happened on accident, misunderstandings. So thanks to the Levitical priest system and having in each kind of region Mm -hmm. the priest's presence, they set up these cities of refuge. Yeah, so what's cool is Moses actually set up three of them already on the uh, east side of the Jordan with Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe Manasseh. And uh, and so he's telling them, though, when they get into the promised land on the west side to set up these three cities. And it, what's cool is he has he has them. He's like, measure them out and make sure they're like equally distant up, apart. So like anyone anywhere has a chance to get to a city Access, before yeah. uh, the the family member comes after them and tries to kill God them. is so fair in this. Mm-hmm. He's, yeah, he's trying to make a way of escape for everyone. Mm-hmm. And then in the midst of it is this great little, uh, for example, if you and I go out to chop some wood, right. and in, in my scenario, it would be uh, my axe. Right. As, I, as I go back <laughs> to, to swing at the tree, the axe head falls off and kills Matt. Yes. Um, I have a chance to get to one of these cities of refuge before the whole Fitzpatrick clan is demanding... Um, yeah. Justice. Right. Although I would like to think they'd understand and we could talk through it because it's a great loss for me as well as them. But just in case, go to one of these cities of refuge. And the main idea, though, is also that that's like the accidental, unintentional death. Mm-hmm. But there's these phrases in chapter 19 about uh, the guilt of bloodshed must be taken care of. We can't act like it's not a big deal. I can't right. just bury your body and go, I don't know where Matt is. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it affects the whole land. Mm-hmm. Like it affects the way you live in the land. And you think about how we live and the wars that have taken place and it takes a big toll on people and the earth where great violence has been unleashed. 
And then there's a great line about um, the heart must be considered in all of this. Right. That God, what God is really interested in, and Moses, is that our hearts would be seeking and working towards mercy and judgment and fairness because that reflects God. And so don't ever think that the Old Testament is heartless and just Mm -hmm. rules to make this heartless God happy. That's not it at all. Mm -hmm. God's whole deal is to say, I want your heart to be following me and reflecting my heart, which is love of God, love of your neighbor, and enjoy the great inheritance which has been secured for you, which is the land. Right. And then the community bears and shares the guilt of any kind of innocent blood. And so uh, set up cities of refuge. And uh, you mentioned they already did three more. Like they, You already mentioned they started kind of creating a grid of these. Yeah, so like they already had three on the east side. They were supposed to make three on the, on the west side. And then if the west side ever expanded, uh, Moses is saying, create three more. Because we can't let the guilt of innocent blood ruin this. Because if if Adam killed me by accident and someone killed him, Adam is still like that's innocent blood shed on the earth. Right. And so it's like let's keep that from happening. Like let's provide a place for Adam to live in safety. And it is still kind of an exile punishment, but at least he gets to live within the land and has hope to return back to his land upon the death of the high priest. Right. And you still. At the heart of it, we can look back now and see that Christ has become our city of refuge. Yes. Whether you sin intentionally or unintentionally, you seek the refuge Mm -hmm. of Christ, who is the high priest, who has shed blood and can atone for your sin and Mm -hmm. actually forgive you. And and then we thank God that we we have set up systems even today of justice. Um, I know they're not perfect, and in many ways they are corrupt, and the, the land and the turmoil within the land and nations reflects the injustice of our systems, but still there are systems to love our neighbors. But ultimately for us, it's like, Mm -hmm. thank God that we can run to our city of refuge, Jesus Christ. And I do want to make it clear though, that if a murderer is like someone actually did in like Adam did intend to kill me (laughs) and he ran to the city, he, I'm not safe. He's not safe. Like they, he still has to go before the judges of his town and they're, they can provide proof and prove that he intended to kill me, and then he can't live in that city. He will be stoned. Well, and that's where they have the the last part of 19 is laws concerning the witnesses. Yeah, so... And, but it's not just murder. You know what's mm-hmm. what's in there with murder is if I start to move the landmarks, yes. I start messing with our boundaries, mm-hmm. that is a big deal because it, this is an inheritance, and it's not just for you to... I can move your rocks and go, oh, I'm just going to take an extra 20 feet here or there. Like, that becomes a big deal. Yeah, so uh, an interesting side note on boundaries is, like, they would make um, stone pillars to, uh, like, mark out the boundaries of the land. So whenever you see them making stone pillars or, like, just stacking stones on top of each other, they, while it is also a way for them to worship God, it's also a way to mark out boundaries. So, like, that's something Abraham did when he walked the land. He made pillars. Really cool. Um, Jacob and Laban did that real quick. Like uh, when Laban was chasing Jacob and they built a stone pillar. Did We may have said this, but is that what we do every Sunday when we worship God and we set up places of worship? Right. We're basically taking the earth. Right, yes. And, and then, marking it out. This is under the reign of Christ. And also the reason this is a big deal for Canaan and who gets what and the boundaries is the idea is 
what you have was given to you by God. Yeah. So don't you dare move the boundaries. It's all a gift. Because so, that yeah. was from God and not from man. It's like when I give uh, any kind of, well, I remember, you remember Ding Dongs? They were mm-hmm. like the hostess cupcakes. Yeah. And um, I would eat mine real quick, and then my sister would save hers, and then later she would have hers, and then I'd try to get it from her. And that's just wrong. Cause, and then my parents would be like, we didn't have to give you these things, mm-hmm. but I already ate mine because I knew we might lose it. <laughs> anyway, that's a horrible <laughs> example, but um, don't mess with the boundaries. And mm-hmm. then it gets into the witnesses, which is pretty interesting. You have to have at least two witnesses, and the the thrust of this section is if you're caught falsely accusing somebody, yeah, you're in big trouble. Like whatever you were demanding from, like if I falsely accuse yes. you of stealing, okay. then I, and it's, it's only one witness and it pr- doesn't work, pan out, then I now am going to be convicted of what I accused you of. Right. Which keeps everybody scared of lying mm-hmm. to manipulate or if I want your property, I lie about you so I can, t- you know, all that stuff. There's no... Uh, there's none of that. And that's where I love the uh, the eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Like, Because I've never read it in the context of, like, I'm trying to accuse you of right. stealing something, and so I want payment in return, but it's false. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, now I have to pay you. See, and that's what's wrong with I'm one like, of our... Oh, interesting. W- with our legal system, I can just sue... What I forget if it's civil... I can mm-hmm. just kind of sue, and then if I slip in a in a public supermarket, I can sue mm-hmm. whoever has the most money. Mm-hmm. And then I either, if I lose, I don't win the money, and that's it. Right. And there's no, like, recourse. And their way was, well, if I lose, and it really isn't public's fault, now they can demand, if I was asking for a million dollars, now I owe public a million dollars, which keeps us from being ridiculously litigious. Yes. And so this is what's shocking, though, when Jesus is being... Um, accused they couldn't find two witnesses Mm -hmm. and in fact they tried to find they almost got a second guy to corroborate the thing about the temple but then that didn't even work out so they just turned to jesus and they say do you think you're the king and that's when he says it is as you say and so that was their witness against him (laughs) he was the second witness (laughs) yeah jesus became the only witness to his um his crime yeah by not disagreeing with what they were saying which is so funny because I think that's why people were scared to come out and say too much about Jesus because they should have been crucified. The mm-hmm. people, the one witness, right, so yeah. everybody who came forward in that court in the middle of the night who said Jesus did something wrong, they should have then, and they're demanding crucifixion or turned over, they should have been turned over to Rome, which right. is another miscarriage of right. justice around Jesus. All right, we got to keep going though. All right, 20. Laws concerning warfare. Which, this is very interesting because uh, it sets up a that their army was voluntary. Yes, it's a total militia. But did you catch how it starts? What if all, oh, yeah. what if all war started like this? We, right now, our system goes, you know, the president and the Congress, and then they declare war and all that stuff. And maybe after war started, you get pastors and priests involved, right? Right. Well, in God's... When God is ruling the nation of Israel, he says, what you do is you get the priests. And the priests come out and they say, don't fear, the Lord is with you. Mm-hmm. When you see the army, army, other army is bigger and better than you, like, don't fear. In mm-hmm. fact, I wrote it down because I, I love this speech. This is 
Um, the priest goes before the warriors and he says, Hear, O Israel, today you are drawing near for battle against your enemies. Mm-hmm. Let not your heart faint. Do not fear or panic or be in dread of them. For the Lord your God is with you, is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. So dedicate your house, enjoy the fruit, enjoy your new, if you're getting married, like mm-hmm. these are things. If, oh, if, if you need to dedicate your new house, Leave the army. Yeah, yeah. If you need to enjoy the fruit, you just planted something, go and take care of your field. If you just got married, take the wife off. Don't do not do this. And for any reason, and then finally it gets down to, are any of you scared to go into battle? If you're scared and are don't faint, go. you don't go. I know. Because we can't have you spreading fear. But mm-hmm. it starts with the priest saying, God's giving us victory. Then it gets into the nitty gritty of like, and we only want those who are ready and willing and have, and believe that the Lord's fighting for them to yeah. go and fight. Which it kind of feels like, sometimes like spiritual warfare, it's like, hey, if you're not ready for this, go take care of what you need to. Don't bring in your fear and mm-hmm. don't bring in your sadness. Um, you need to know that the Lord's going to fight for you because the other, what you're going up against is bigger than you and yeah. is stronger than you and should win. Mm-hmm. But it won't. Yeah, and then uh, he says, when you draw near a city to fight against it, you offer terms of peace. Now, this whole section right here mm-hmm. is uh, when they go to war with cities outside of the promised land, Yeah, not within the promised land. So like, if they're going to a city outside of the promised land, you offer it terms of peace. If they accept, you take them in as slaves. Um, uh, yeah, and then, forced labor. Uh, forced labor, <laughs> whatever. I mean, same thing. Yeah, you know. But if uh, if they make no peace with you, you go in, you, you kill fight. all the males, and you take everything else. And uh, then God has a way of handling the spoils. Mm-hmm. So for faraway lands, you're going to have to uh, kill all the, you know, if you do fight, kill the males, the males, keep everything else, you know. Um, and then he's really, I don't know if it's this section or the next, it's, it's gracious, even about the women. Oh, that's the next section. We'll wait then. So, um, but, but he, he makes it very clear though, like, but the cities within Canaan, yeah. you got to wipe those guys out. I gave those guys long, like 400 years, more than 400 years to get their stuff together. They're not. And they, you're, this is your inheritance mm-hmm. and they have polluted the land. my inheritance to you. Mm-hmm. They have not only polluted it physically but spiritually they've offered everything to demonic gods and so you mm. must wipe out everything in Canaan but don't be uh but don't wipe out any trees uh fruit bearing trees fruit bearing trees like take care of the earth this is your inheritance so you can cut down trees for that are good for timber but destroy everything that's been dedicated by these people keep the fruit bearing stuff mm-hmm. because this is your inheritance now yeah very and, interesting uh, and yeah, and, and I like, too, because the thought occurred to me that even in war, God is all about our future with mm-hmm. him, with each other, and the earth. And He, uh, we follow him into every battle. Yeah. Then, what are we, uh, we're going to 22. So we got two more chapters. Yeah. Let's see if we can do this in five minutes here. So 21 is... Uh, unsolved mysteries. Yeah, atonement for the unsolved murders. And so if they happen to cross a, a body... Um, somewhere and they just have no idea who killed who killed this person or why or how they would measure the distance to the nearest city they would take a heifer that has never been used for labor they would take it to a like a valley like with running water 
right. near like the nearest valley with running water it's, and break its neck. Yeah, it's basically baptism, Lord's Supper, um, mm-hmm. and crucifixion, and repentance and yeah. faith. Because they take it, wash it, wa- they wash their hands of it, verbally testify of their innocence. Because if it's unsolved murder, everyone says, I didn't, like, you have to be right. honest and say, I did it or I didn't do it. So the Pray elders of the nearest city would do this. They and, would go up, snap its neck, wash their hands, say, we are innocent of this. Be- and then, Lord, please don't hold this sin against yes. our land. Because life matters to God mm-hmm. and... Um, and God thinks of everything. So even if there's an unsolved murder, it's like, I don't want you guys to carry this murder on yourself. You need to address it. You can't act like it didn't happen because it matters. And I love how they are, like, the recognition that this this innocent death, this death could affect right. all of Israel. And so they do make this statement, do not set the guilt of innocent blood in the midst of your people, Israel, so that their blood guilt be atoned for. I, I do see how like Christ does this in his mm-hmm. death that we a lot of times people will, will say without thinking, I didn't do anything. Christ didn't need to die for me. I haven't murdered anybody. Mm-hmm. We always go to, you didn't murder anybody. Well, there's unsolved mysteries and there are ways that we murder yeah. by just being complicit or not caring or not fighting for justice. And you need to recognize, you know what? I didn't care about that murder that happened. Forgive us of any part we've had to do with it. And allow God to forgive you and cleanse you. Um, but that's just one, in the beginning, that's just the first ten, nine verses. And then it gets to how you treat captive women with respect and dignity. Mm-hmm. And uh, you give them the opportunity. Like, you can marry some of these captive women from, again, outside of Canaan. Mm-hmm. But you have to give them a month to be able to mourn, shave their head, yeah. allow it to grow back. And then they have the decision. If well, I think the, Well, I don't know if the women have the decision... Or not. The women, the decision for women, what we've been learning is that in this culture, if you could get married, that's like your lottery ticket for mm-hmm. a woman. I know mm-hmm. it sounds crass and it's not at all how we think, but in that culture, a woman couldn't provide for herself in, a, in an agricultural setup. Yeah. Yeah. And so she would want to be married and it's purely economic mm-hmm. and there's no shame in that. Mm-hmm. And so the opportunity for the captive woman is to be married, give her a month. And if you want her and you love her, then after she mourns, burns all of her clothes, kind of burns her bridges with her old culture and the old gods and assimilates to you, now she can be your wife. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it's a backward way. We think that's so not cool. Right. But really, it's a way to dignify and honor women because all the other cultures are just going to rape and pillage and mm-hmm. use and then kill. And then, yeah. If they get tired way. of them, they kill them or they throw them Because that was the other thing is if they ever divorce this woman... They have to take her to wherever she wants to go. So if she wants to go back to any remaining family or wherever she wants to go, you can't sell her, you can't trade her off to someone else. Like you have to take her to where she's going to feel safe and provided for. Yeah, it's which is once you get over all of our our, our cultural hurdles, Mm -hmm. you realize, oh, this is actually no other culture in the world is really doing this Mm -hmm. uh, that we know of. Then in fifteen seconds, like there's fifteen and through 17 there's okay there's two great two great ideas we got to cover to get out of uh, today's reading so let's let's try and cover this first one matt why don't you cover what's going on he says um you can't just give your inheritance to the firstborn or to the secondborn or no, whoever no, no, you no, like no. you can't so, give it to okay whoever you so like. it's a 
if I'm, it's addressing basically the favoritism of Jacob. Okay. And so it's saying if a man has two wives and loved one and didn't love the other, and uh, the one that was unloved has the first child, but right. the one that's loved finally has a child later, you can't just give the inheritance to the to the firstborn. So of the ja- other wife. Jacob basically was trying to give his inheritance to Joseph. Yeah, so it was like number 12 or something, or number 11. Yes. And that was not cool. Yeah, so so it's addressing the sin of Jacob's favoritism. And so it's just going like, hey, don't justify Jacob's actions. Okay. um, And use that to, as like a model, like what he did was wrong. Um, So don't worry about that. Like, don't, like, remember, like, if you have two wives... Whoever, whatever son's born first, that's who you're going to give the inheritance to. Well, and then the, the next section is so, kind of following the reasoning of Reuben, the firstborn of Jacob, who's going, wait a second, I'm the firstborn. Right. Oh, well, you do lose your inheritance, like Esau, like Adam, mm-hmm. like um, uh, even Ishmael, mm-hmm. who was Ill, like illegitimately mm-hmm. born. Like Abraham wanted to give it to Ishmael, but God's like, no, he yeah. is not part of that promise. And Esau sold his birthright. Yeah. And now Reuben's going, well, I'm the firstborn. But then there's this section on the rebellious son. Yes. And, and Reuben is the epitome of being a rebellious son. He tried to take over. Yeah. He? Yeah. So, like, again, um, just to recap from in Genesis, at the death of Jacob, right before, he gave the firstborn rights to Ephraim, which is what tribe uh, Joshua's from. And he's about to lead them all in. Reuben was technically the firstborn. Mm-hmm. And so right now, the tribe of Reuben is probably feeling like, we're the firstborn. What is going on? So then we follow this passage up with, well, this is what happens to a rebellious son. And Reuben was a rebellious son. Right. He, uh... Disobedient. He tried to overthrow his dad. Like, when Rachel died, he basically raped Bilhah. One of... One of Jacob's concubines, uh, Rachel's maidservant. That's right. And so, and and uh, Jacob cursed him for it. And so it's going. You lose things. You should have lost your life. Well, that's what this section says. That yeah. you take the rebellious son, the the disobedient, the glutton, and the drunkard, and you get the whole city shall stone them. And I was reading, there's no reference to them ever stoning a firstborn son mm-hmm. for acting this way. So that's why Reuben is even still, like the around. tribe of Reuben is yeah. still around because they didn't wipe it out, mm-hmm. and um, which is funny. And so the only place it's written down where they followed through with this would be in the case of Jesus, who they accused of being <laughs> disobedient to God, yes. a blasphemer, yes. and drunkard, yes. and a glutton, yes. straight up. yes. And so they actually carried out the death sentence on the rebellious son. It just mm-hmm. happened to be God's rebellious son, mm-hmm. who they said was rebellious, but he was actually obedient to the point of... That's a crazy. It's so crazy. His perfect obedience. We just couldn't hear it. And, uh, and then right after the rebellious son, it's cursed as anyone who's hanged on a tree. Again, it's like this w- interesting prophecy about Jesus hanging from a cross, which is made from a tree. Mm-hmm. But uh, when I was in Guatemala, I remember there had been reports because things are so far out mm-hmm. that there's like a mob mentality. So when they, the, the city or the little village thinks someone committed a crime, they'll hang them, mm-hmm. let them hang there for a week right. so that all the little criminals, or if you're imagining anything naughty, you'll see a dead guy hanging there and go, maybe I shouldn't do that. Well, God says, 
No. If you have to put someone to death, you take them off in a day. We're not going to keep them up as a warning sign because we ought to be the people who can hear the word of God. Which is fascinating. So it's a way, because you think about it, like he's thinking about the land yeah. and he's thinking about like, I don't want signs of death. Like I don't want and it dead bodies right. polluting the land and they're hanging from trees and stuff in the promised land. This is, I walk among them. And then we get into the New Testament and they're under Roman occupation and there's dead bodies in the promised land everywhere. On crosses. On crosses. Lining the roads. Dude, I just thought about this. A possum was dead the other day mm-hmm. and I came home after work and I was like, the possum's gone. Oh, that's cool. Somebody, they must have called and had it mm-hmm. cleaned up. And then I was walking the dog and saw it pulled up. It, this barely, all I could see was the tail and mm-hmm. some bones. And I realized those turkey buzzards they drag it up off the road and eat it. So like God's created animals to clean up death yeah. because he doesn't want a bunch of dead things waiting around until mm-hmm. some people do something about it. Right. That's awesome. Anyways, interesting. Well, then various laws right. once you're in the land. I know. Um, so Jesus on a cross, it's like he takes the curse mm-hmm. of death mm-hmm. from the world. Right. Uh, I don't know, man. Deuteronomy is like the gospel. Uh, I see why Jesus quoted it all the time. Uh, various laws. I, I just kind of wrote down. We'll, we'll cruise through this here. Basically, help your brother. Don't ignore him. Mm-hmm. So don't just drive by when you see someone you know in, in need. Don't confuse God's order. Right. He's like, there's a creative order to man and woman, and in, in in pagan idolatry, people would dress up as man and woman, and and probably do some pornographic plays mm-hmm. and things to excite their God. We don't do that. Protect nature's uh, future. Right. So don't just pollute the land. I mean, Christians are the original environmentalists because mm-hmm. it's our inheritance. So we care about the earth more than anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, make make your house safe. So like, don't build things where people can fall. You'll be right. held guilty. If you make a bad roof and it falls on people, you're kind of mm-hmm. held accountable for that. Keep seeds separate as an objective lesson for the nations. Like you're, you know, you're different. You don't mix yeah, a vineyard with, with maize or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, there's tassels that you mm-hmm. put to remember that you are a kingdom of priests. And then um, and then you just want to know God loves us and God loves his neighbor. That's what these mm-hmm. various laws are about. Love your neighbor. Mm-hmm. This is what I created you to be. This is what I created and I'm funding you to do it. And then um, there's a whole section on sexual immorality, which is a big deal. Right. So rape equals death. That's the penalty. You rape yeah. a woman, you are going to die for that. Uh, and then... Same with... Uh, Consensual adultery. Yeah. It, it's death. Because you're ruining not only mm-hmm. the um, the person, but you're also ruining their the economy. Mm-hmm. So like you're making this woman now a, a scourge, like she's going to be homeless. Mm-hmm. And and it's really bad. So And then you can't divorce because, again, this is an economic, um, you can't just divorce your kids and say, I don't want to pay for you anymore. Right. And, kick your kids out when they're like eight years old same thing with marriage um yeah so i was just we've already said it but it's like like marriage is kind of a jackpot it's like all right the woman now knows uh, she'll be taken care of and she can uh, proceed with what she was created to do um yeah pretty much the whole idea of adultery and marriage would be uh a picture just like the seeds mm-hmm. and not mixing. It's a picture. Marriage is a picture of God's uh, 
lifelong commitment, ridiculous commitment. And I know marriage is ridiculous and our culture Mm -hmm. sees it that way. Like, and they don't even expect you to stay married, but uh, it reflects God's undying, a ridiculous commitment to us. And so we should keep it like that. Well, there's a lot of great stuff there. I know uh, if if you're still with us, good job. But it's going to get better now as we get into Luke. All right. Right? Yeah, gospel reading. Gospel reading for today is Luke chapter 15 through chapter 16, verse 18. All right. So let me get there, Matt. Yeah, so we are getting into some pretty well-known parables, three parables back-to-back of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son. Can I just cut to it? Yeah, go for it. All right. So the lost, here's what you got to do. When you're reading the, the prodigal son, right? Yes. So it goes, lost sheep, lost coin, prodigal son. Yes. And the key to understanding the prodigal son is to read the first two before it, because when you find the lost coin, it says, the angels in heaven rejoice with you. Um, and, he's, and he even says, this is a repentant sinner. The angels rejoice. When you find your lost sheep, God goes after, you go after the coin. You shine light in your house to mm-hmm. find this lost coin. The shepherd goes out and finds the lost sheep, brings them back. And then the angels rejoice in the repentance. Mm-hmm. Uh, one sheep who repents, they all rejoice. Then he gives the parable of the prodigal son, which is all about the repentance of this son who basically said, Dad, I want you dead because I want your stuff. Mm-hmm. I want my inheritance now, which means I want you to die. Right. He goes out, comes back. The father, just like the shepherd and just like the person looking for the coin, is waiting, is searching, is on the porch, receives them back, and rejoices because his son has repented Uh and come back. Then the older brother is mad because his life, he feels self-righteous, and he feels like, I have done everything right. Right. And I don't want to throw a party for my brother. The dad then in this parable says, it was like he's dead and now he's back. Mm -hmm. Rejoice with me. And he's even pursuing the older brother in his self-righteousness saying, come on, rejoice. Come to the party. Because coming to the party would be repentance for the older brother to say, you know what? I'm angry at my brother. Because he just burned through a third of the inheritance. Right. I'm really angry, but I'm going to forgive him and forgive me for being so angry. And so the key to these things is we're not trying to figure out like, what do we do in situations or mm-hmm. um, we don't try to figure out we get the heart of it which is repentance is what unlocks everything for us because we have a father we have a shepherd we have an owner who is searching for us and heaven rejoices when you repent and repentance is saying I've made a mess of it yeah I can I just come back I'll be a servant in your house mm-hmm. and the father says hey man you're more than a servant you're going to be, you're my son. Mm-hmm. And so that's the heart of the prodigal son. People use it um, in very weird ways. I walked into a meeting once with some other pastors and I hadn't been around for a while. And one of the guys says, oh, it's actually a board meeting for yeah. one of the, And he goes, oh, the prodigal son returns. And I said, and I being just a smart mouth and having a high level understanding of the Bible said, oh, the older brother awaits. And he looks at me and his face kind of grimaced because he understood I was being mean to him. But he was being mean to me. <laughs> and uh, I was like, and he understood in that moment, you don't want to be the older brother, bro. Okay. 
And uh, and then we were able to get it. We worked through it. I was like, hey, sorry about calling you older brother. He's like, yeah, I'm sorry for calling you the prodigal son. I just meant I hadn't seen you in a while. It's good to see you. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> next time just say, hey, good to see you. <laughs> and maybe I'll respond differently. But um, it's that. But even that causes us to repent. Like this mm-hmm. guy had some resentment towards me. I had then immediate resentment towards him. And um, repentance is the narrow way. Yeah. It's the narrow way yeah. uh, through to the, the feast with the Father and all that he's prepared for us. Okay. Whew. Nice. All right. So that was nice and neat. And then we get to chapter 16, yeah, which is... Yeah, not so neat. <laughs> we just got to do 18 verses, so... All right, so we have this parable called the parable of the dishonest manager. And there's a lot of different conflicting interpretations on this little parable and it's one of luke it's like special to luke uh i think he's the only one who records this so it's kind of weird but the idea is there's a there's a master and he has a a rich man there's a rich man and he has a manager a guy who's managing his yeah this is so weird and he realizes he hears the reports that the manager is being he's not good he's he's doing he's like performing poorly and so he's like I need to see the accounts. And so the manager's realizing, oh no, I'm in trouble. I haven't collected from anybody. I'm in trouble. I've mishandled the money. And so he's thinking, okay, when I get fired, I can't beg. I'm too proud to beg. And I'm too weak to for manual labor. I got the soft hands. Yeah. Uh, I can't work. So he's like, I'm going to figure out a way to have people like me so that they will invite me into their home and I can live off of their charity and, and or get opportunities to, to work, work for, for them, them. Or, because I'm showing yeah. them that I'm a good manager. Yeah. yeah. He's working so, the angles. So he starts bringing in all the people who owe his master money and he's like, all right, what's your debt? Okay. hundred, hundred dollars. All right. We're going to drop it to 50. Oh, Boom. okay. Pay it now. Okay. I can pay 50 yeah. now. All yeah. Right. And so like he like just cuts like all the debt of these people and then collects on it. And so it says that the the master hears about this and is like kind of like, "Whoa. Well, do you good know that, job. That's what those debt collection places do. They buy your medical debt. Mm-hmm. You have a million dollars worth of medical debt. They buy it for pennies on the dollar. Mm-hmm. So they pay like $15,000 for it. Mm-hmm. So then they try to collect the million dollars from you. Right. But if you say, I can give you $10,000 cash right now, they usually take it. Right. So there's a charity in Seattle, I was listening to it, where the this radio station f- spent whatever, $50,000 and um, as through charity and then erased like $5 million worth of medical debt by becoming one of those debt collection agencies right. and then forgiving. It was kind of a cool, cool. way to do it. But yeah, the, the manager kind of figured this out. Like, yeah. okay, I'll cut their debt and mm-hmm. see what I can get. And so if I can even get $50, even though they owe me $100, i am good. Jesus kind of likes this. And so Jesus, well, so the interesting <laughs> thing is... This is what's confusing. He likes it. Wait, um, what does he like? So, sorry, so then, break it down. Yeah, so then he drops, like, one who's faithful with very little is faithful in much, and one who's dishonest in very little is dishonest in much. Um, so then he's like, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you with true riches? And so he's talking to his disciples, but... The Pharisees overhear this whole conversation, and they immediately take offense. Of course. And... Always justifying themselves. If you're defensive all the time, you're trying to 
Yeah. Defend yourself all the time. And it even says the Pharisees who were lovers of money heard all these things and they ridiculed him. And so they're like, what are you talking about? Why are you talking about like this? And so the thing that I'm taking away is Jesus is pointing out, look, you guys will figure out ways to uh, work money. Secure power. Secure power. Get people to like, like you and you will work all the angles and do everything possible to restore a relationship with some people or like uh, your future. Ooh, this might hurt, but we'll do everything we can to live in a gated community, a comfortable house, drive some SUVs, and have a couple motorcycles, and not care about the kingdom of God at all. Right, and so, oh, and that's what he's, that hurts. he's like, but you, you will not do this for God. Yeah. You will not do... You what? don't apply half the amount of effort in the kingdom of God as you do to securing your... your uh, unrighteous your wealth. Unrighteous, comfortable wealth. Yeah. Which, which really I would translate as just like worldly money. Like money. Right. He's like... And so that's what I... Like reading this, I'm realizing like he is going like... He's recognizing the energy of this uh, shrewd manager and going like... I like his creativeness and trying to figure out the problem, but you don't apply the same creativeness to figuring out the problems of the kingdom of God. Okay. Because it is confusing. He says, and I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Yeah, I know. It's a very confusing passage. Like, I, I will like the, fully admit. But the manager was being shrewd by going, okay, I got to figure this out. I so got to be nice to some people so that they will be nice to me later. So at a minimum, if you've been focusing your whole life on gaining wealth and power and comfort, if you're friends with the righteous, mm-hmm. that's going to help you. When, because all inevitably, all of your uh, earthly treasures will fail. Mm-hmm. There'll be a stock market crash. There'll be a fire. There'll be right. something that can dwindle it as quickly as it can. Usually, usually it takes years to amass wealth and about one second to destroy it. Yes. And so uh, at a minimum, you all, is he saying, do you think, at a minimum, you Pharisees should be friends with my disciples? Right. I, I would say, okay. yes. Okay. Um, yeah. And then he ends with no servant, though can serve two masters. Mm-hmm. You'll you'll either hate the one and love the other. Right. Or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then Luke just records, you cannot serve God and money, mm-hmm. which is if you're not dealing with that in your life, then you're not listening, man. Mm-hmm. Um, this is probably the daily wrestling in our culture. You can serve money, serve being mm-hmm. uh, liked, serve wealth and comfort, or serve God. And what right. we've found is that in our right minds, when we walk through repentance and say, oh God, I'm, I can tell that in myself I'm getting upset, I'm getting very freaked out, I have the opposite of the fruits of the Spirit, oh, because I'm putting my faith in my job. I'm mm-hmm. putting my faith, and, and that's okay. The good news for us is we say, God, forgive me, recalibrate these things by faith. And that's why we go to church, we hear the story, we read the Bible, we're around people who can remind us that, you know what, we want to serve God, not money. Because God will provide for us, and money never promises to provide anything for you. Except for, like, a burger in that moment. All right. Well, the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all these things, and they ridiculed him. And you figure they ridiculed him because they're like, now you're talking about things we're experts in. Mm -hmm. 
And they're more comfortable talking about finances probably than the, the law and the thing they're <laughs> supposed to be. But that's where Jesus says, uh, you justify yourselves, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. And then he goes on to uh, say this. Oh, this is amazing. The law and the prophets were until John. Since then, the good news of the kingdom of God is preached and everyone forces his way into it. But it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one dot of the law to become void. Are we prepared to break that down? <laughs> I mean... Do you guys have another 20 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> hey, let's give a 30-second here. Uh, a 30-second shout-out to this is, Jesus has set up a new kingdom. Mm-hmm. Until John, it's the prophets, it's the word that, that the king is coming. Mm-hmm. And, um, and people have... Once now Christ has come... People are trying to force their way into it based on their wealth they amassed in the old mm-hmm. system. They think that the old system will get them in. And then Jesus confuses them and says, no, it's not like that. It's by faith. But be assured that every jot in the Hebrew, jot and tittle, mm-hmm. it's like every little mark in the law is not void. It is still good mm-hmm. because the law is good. And it's like I was saying to you earlier, if you want to make mac and cheese, right. There's the directions on how to make mac and cheese on the back of the box. If you don't follow the rules on the back of the box, <laughs> you're making something else. Right. So the rules are good. Mm-hmm. It's our hearts that have been bad. And so uh, it's easier for the whole system to pass away than for one part of God's law. See, that's God loves us. He mm-hmm. says, here's how it works. And now I'll make a way for you to apprehend it. And then just a little bit of salt, a little bit of salt and pepper at the end. He's like, oh, and by the way, everyone who divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. Uh, Boom. Boom. There we go. And again, (laughs) let's just put this into context for those of you who have been married and remarried. Talking to the Pharisees who are using the law of marriage Mm -hmm. as a way to commit adultery. Yes. So their hearts are, I want to cheat on my wife, but we're not allowed to cheat, so I'll divorce this woman to... uh, have marry an affair, another. I'll marry another one for an affair. Yeah. And in the process, you're financially and emotionally and spiritually ruining someone. And so uh, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Repentance, though. And re- repent. I mean, even after reading the money thing, the idea for me is to, you know what? Just be in a place of repentance. And I think the liturgy even says, you know, forgive us for things we've done and the things we have failed to do. Right. And God is just, and he's given us his son uh, to die for us. And it's for his sake, your sins are forgiven. So don't let your commitment to money and your life uh, worshiping money and all these things devastate you. There is freedom. And you just simply ask Jesus to forgive you, and he will, and start to recreate uh, your house and your mind and your heart in his image. Okay. So today's psalm, yeah. we're just going to continue on with the songs of Korah. It's so great. From the sons of Korah. Uh, this is Psalm 45, verse 1 through 9, and it is a love song celebrating the marriage of an ideal king to his ideal bride. Perfect. Let's hear it. My heart overflows with a pleasing theme. I address my verses to the king. My tongue is like the pen of a ready scribe. You are the most handsome of the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. 
Gird your sword on your thigh, O mighty one, in your splendor and majesty. In your majesty, ride out victoriously for the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. Let your right hand teach you awesome deeds. Your arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies. The peoples fall under you. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of uprightness. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Your robes are all fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia. From ivory palaces, stringed instruments make you glad. Daughters of kings are among your ladies of honor. At your right hand stands the queen in gold of Ophir. Fed by ravens. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. We'll talk to you again uh, about day 105 and 106.